We have a few questions in here. The number one question, if you come across a spider walking across the sidewalk and you know it could get killed, or should you gently move it or let whatever happens occur, knowing that it is the spider's karma? Or is it better for your karma to save and rescue it? Karma, if I can give an example, Karma is like a, a train going onto a track, a, rail, a railroad track, a train going railroad track. The train itself, I'm just giving the example. It may not be the best example, but this is the example that comes to my mind. And the train itself, is, is, there's a karmic force leading that train to a destination. And uh, underneath the train, there is a railroad track. That track is the cause and effect. It would lead to somewhere within the boundary of the track of the cause and effect. What is cause and effect? You cultivate, you, you germinate a cause, a certain effect will come out. If you cultivate the effect of, say, for example, working hard, going to lectures and reading and studying, the effect would be you get an A in the examination, given that you have all other conditions. So a cost would come to an effect. There's no such thing as not studying and not attending classes and doing nothing and you get an A. There must be, there must be a cost and effect that ties onto it. Um, you cannot get an A without studying hard. Unless, of course, you know the subject and you already have studied well enough. So there's, everything is cost and effect, and we call it the law of causality. So, the spider would, like a train, would go into the effect. But if you want to save the spider, then it's just like... The person is on the train, and that train is doomed to, to have an accident. And you call that person to get off the train. Well, that was saved him from getting the accident. You save him out of your compassion. Uh, you're caring for the spider. Out of your compassion, you want to save that spider from being killed. And you thought that that spider is going to be killed if it is walking across the sidewalk, and people would just... Uh, unnoticingly step on it. So it is out of your, your genuine compassion that you want to save, and that is a good cause. And maybe out of this, this good cause, you would also radiate enough energy to affect the spider too. The spider can, can, can realize, can feel your compassionate karma, and it throws onto the, the spider, and the spider gets compassion, and the spider would, in her future life, render compassion to others too. 
So out of compassion, as a Bodhisattva's path of enlightenment, you should save the spider. You don't say, let the spider come to the doom itself, because the spider is dominated by its own karma. We don't do it like that. We want to save as much as possible. It's just like a doctor. You won't say, this patient is doomed to be dead. I don't want to try. Let the patient work out his own karma. You don't do it that way. You, want, you would like to, 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 to save as much as possible. And if you know that train is leading to a destination of death, destination of accident, you, was, you would call the passenger to come off, to get off from the train. Would you? Or you don't care? So, you would save the spider, even though the spider has his own karma. Mind you, there is also a, there, you and the spider has the same karma in certain respect. That is death. It does not matter if the spider die first or you die first. You are coming to the destination of death. We, all, we, all, we have suffering in this world. We know that. We have eight sufferings. We all know that. And you cannot avoid this suffering. It does not matter how optimistic you are. And some people say, I still remember the, a few years ago, there was a, a, a young couple who came to the, to the lunch, and I was talking about suffering. And he came from uh, a country where they only allow one child born. And for that reason, that family would spoil the child because he's got only one child in the whole family. So uh, that, though, that couple, both of them live in a rosy garden all their life. And when I was talking about suffering, I said, no, I don't believe in suffering. I don't suffer. Right now I'm studying at Simon Fraser University. I got my marks and then I'm driving a Porsche and my, 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 my boyfriend is driving a, a Mercedes and we, we have everything. So why do you say I'm suffering? And both of them are approximately about 20s, early 20s. They have not experienced any storm and wind and snow of life yet. Yet. I say yet. They would, they would come. Sufferings would come. What are these sufferings that no one can avoid? Aging is suffering. Death is suffering. Sickness is suffering. Can you avoid them? Can you avoid sickness? Who can avoid sickness? No, nobody can. Can you avoid death? Can you avoid aging? Maybe you can postpone by doing facial, by nutrition, by putting in all the money to makeup and all that, but time would tell. The time would come when no makeup can make you younger. No perfume can, can make you smell more frequent because you get old man's smell in your, or old woman's smell. You go to a nursing home. They come automatically because out of hormone balance. And, um, yeah. So, aging is suffering, sickness is suffering, death is suffering. Departure from beloved ones is suffering. When your dear friend died, your dear relative died, you're grief-stricken. You suffer in the whole in that period when you, when, when you, you feel grief, you, you feel extremely sorrowful. You don't think that is suffering? You cried every night. You thought about your mom, your dad, your grandchild, I mean your granddad, your grandmom. How come they passed away? I loved them dearly. Isn't that suffering? Emotional suffering? 
How about suffering from, from, living with, from living with hated ones? You love your wife or you love your husband? Or you don't? You just want to live together because you want to bind the children together. You don't want to get a divorce because you don't want your children to have a broken home. You don't want your, your children to be adopted. So you want to keep that relationship, but you hate each other. Or you live with each other because you want the estates, whoever died first. Oh, it happened. It happened in, uh, I can't mention that place, that city. And um, very sensitive mass media. They can report families who are, who, who, who are fighting for estates of the passed away, of, of, of the father. Every day they have news on the newspapers about fighting for, um, not, not just in rich families, they're fighting for estates. Even in a family where they only have, one, have maybe uh, an apartment and a few drawings. The children could be fighting on, on, on the antiquities or, or some drawings, some, 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 some pictures. They hate each other because no one wants to get less. The more you want, the more you desire more. And uh, so you have suffering arising from aging, suffering arising from sickness, suffering arising from death. Suffering arising from departure with beloved ones. Suffering arising from living with hated ones. And suffering arising from insatiable desire. You always have wishes that you can fulfill. You have good health, you may not have money. You have, may not have money, you don't have good health. You're driving a Volkswagen, you want a Mercedes, you want a Rolls Royce, you can't have it. You're living in a poor shack, you want to live in Shaughnessy. So you always have desire that you cannot fulfill. You have a handsome boyfriend, and, or you have a beautiful uh, wife, but you always think that the other wife is more beautiful. You, know, you always have insatiable desire that you cannot satisfy. And that is the sixth suffering. What is the seventh suffering? Arri suffering arising from the five scanters. You know what the five scanters are? The five aggregates? Um, oh, I don't want to go on. If we go on the five scanters, we can, we can spend half an hour explaining this. I'm just, I'm just trying to do the first question. So, the spider, an interesting spider, that leads me 20 minutes of explanation. The spider, the spider, you spared his life, you save him, you radiate compassion on him. Um, hopefully, your compassion will change his karma of being, of being killed now. And um, he may become your son in your next life and is repaying you. Whereas if you, uh, if, you, if, you, if you saw a spider on the road, you say, I'll crush you to death, and you step onto it. He'll become your daughter that would ask for repayment for the next life. You'll kill me in my past life. When I was a spider, I'm going to get from you now. You don't think that will happen? There are children who just get things from you. They, they don't repay you. How much have you repaid your parents, anyway? <laughs>
Are you, did you just get from your parents without any repayment? Did you fulfill your filial responsibility to your parents? Or you put them, or you don't care, because they raise you up, they give you the education, they love you, they all do all that, and now you have a family, and you, maybe once in a year you go back to, 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 to visit your poor dad and mom, and that's about it. How much they have nurtured you, and how much you have paid back to them. Or, we never think about repayment. Who cares? Because you have that responsibility to raise me. Because you're giving that holy responsibility to give. It's just it's a one-sided love. You just give everything to me, I'd accept it. There's so many things, too many intricacies of life. It's not just breakfast and lunch and going to sleep and going to work. Have you, did you ever think about this spiritual side of life? Or are you just looking for materialistic lifestyle non-stop? Are you just looking for quote-unquote happiness? What is happiness anyway? Is it just satisfaction of the material, Epicurean level of life? Are you happy? Are you happy where you are? Why do I come to this world? Where would I go? How do I lead a happier life? How do I react to other people? How do I enrich my spiritual life? How do I make myself and my companions and all those around me happier? Is it just by giving them material? Or is this just by having material style of life? Second question, if a person is suffering and has not asked for help or guidance, should one try to inform that person or instruct regarding Buddhism, knowing it may help and help that family? Well, you have to, you have to know the expediency of the situation. In other words, if there are reason, if there are causes for you to introduce the Buddhist teaching, try to introduce it as much as possible. If that's not the right appropriate environment and you're forced through it, you try to convert. Don't try to convert people. Well, I have something God that's good to me and I want you to accept it. I'm giving you that. I want to convert you to be a, a Buddhist because I think that it's good for you. The other person says, no, 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 no. Don't be opinionated. Get away from me. You won't get yourself anywhere. You have to find the appropriate way, the most expedient way, a comfortable way, a happy way to introduce the Buddhist teaching. Not just convert, converting people. Not, not by brainwashing, forcefully. Why don't you do it like this? You improve your own behavior, your own speech, through your own proper, considerate, compassionate behavior, they see something different in you. They will start to find out. How come Johnny has become a different person since he has started learning Buddhism? I want to know something more about it. How come Johnny has become more considerate, happier, and more compassionate to people? I want to find out. Why don't you do it that way, instead of just talking, converting people forcefully? That's the second question. Third question. When a person dies, which is the proper procedure for burial or cremation? For burial or cremation? Why don't you ask him? You ask me? <laughs> what is the proper procedure? Both can be proper. Both can be proper. You, I think you, you, you also ask the... Um, the decision of the person who is going to pass away. 
and if, does, if he does not want to mention it or if you shouldn't mention it to him, both are proper as long as you do it right. There's so many uh, things that you have to watch out for. For example, you cannot cremate that body um, immediately. You have to wait until at least eight hours to move the body around. And uh, there's so many things that you have to know about it. And if you are doing any, any um, ceremonial elevation of chanting of the Buddha Sutras for the passed away, you have to know when, where, and how. Looking at the history of some high monks, Xuan Zhang Fa Si, there was a, a, very, a good monk in the Tang Dynasty. Uh, he passed away, he entered the Nirvana. He wanted his body. Before he passed away, he, gave, he um, left his will uh, that his body be cremated and then mixed with flour and, and some wheat, roll into balls and throw it in the sea so that they let the fish enjoy it. In other words, let distribute your causes, your good causes out. Feed the fish with the cremated bodies. Um, give it out. Even your body, give out your body to all sentient beings. So he wanted his body to be cremated, mixed with flour, like, like bread, and then, and then dump it in small pieces to the sea so that his body can uh, benefit the fish. And there's so many, uh, there's, there's so many uh, the ways of burial. So you have to find out yourself. Next question, what does Om Mani Padme Hum mean? As a Buddhist, should we be vegan or is vegetarian good enough? Thank you. So, with the first part of the question, what does Om Mani Padme Hum mean? I think many people here already know, maybe you're not, uh, there's some classes that you haven't come to us. Om is the mother of all sound, the origin of all good deeds, the origin of all sound, Om. There's, there are a few seat syllables, seat sounds in the Sanskrit language. It's Om, Ah, Om, Hiri, Ram, Vam. All these are seat uh, sounds, the basic sound. Om, Ah, Om, all these are basic sounds that make up all of the Sanskrit language, to make up of sound. So Om is the origin, the mystic of all sound. And um, it also means listen. Listen very carefully. Here is a sound that is the most holy, that is the most um, compassionate. So Om is the origin of all sound. Matni, Matni is the most precious one on earth, or, or the most precious jewel. This is... Uh, a simile for the Buddha nature inside of you. You have that Buddha nature in you where you can become the Buddha, when you can achieve Bodhi, you become enlightened. You have that nature in you. You have that nature in you to become the Buddha. You have that nature in you to be emancipated from all sufferings. You have that nature in you to be free from all mental afflictions. 
Now, but first of all, do you consider freeing yourself, liberating yourself from the suffering of life important? If you don't even think about that, you love this world so much that you don't want to go, how can you be away from suffering? I think the first lesson is we have to learn that there's really suffering in this world. So, money means the most precious in you. That is the body nature in you. You can be free from all these mental afflictions and suffering. That's what the Buddha said. The Buddha said, listen, that is something the most precious in you. Not just in you, in all sentient beings. Padme, what is Padme? Padme is lotus flower. It is a, a, a simile for purification. A lotus flower is grown from the mud, the dirty mud. But the lotus flower is not attached to the mud. It comes out from the stem. In other words, it is living in the mud, but it comes out of it. In other words, it's purified. So you have to be like a lotus to realize that Bodhi nature. You have to purify yourself to realize that Bodhi nature so that you can be away, free from suffering. How do you purify yourself? What do you have to purify? You have to purify your behavior, your speech, and your mind. So Padme means purification of your mind. You have to purify that. Home means, home means a Bodhi seat. The seat of enlightenment. So if I can put all these words together, Om Mani Padme Home, what does it mean? In a sentence, it says, listen very carefully. You have that precious Bodhi nature in you, which can be realized by purification of your own behavior, speech and mind. And if you do that, every time when you utter this mantra, a Bodhi seat is planted in your alaya consciousness, and that Bodhi seat will sprout and get will sprout and become very effective.